0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: A controversial call. I've seen the video over and over again. Lands a high school referee in court. I think that they're opening up a Pandora's box. For two years, the state's governing body for high school sports fought the case. Because it it destroys sports. You should not have to worry about being second-guessed in a court of law the high stakes battle he couldn't wrestle a regionals He's this done. is the end of his chance to defend a state title yep that puts sports officials on trial that is not the job of the united states court system from the fox 6 studios this is open record i'm brian polson and i'm joined once again by fox 6's jenna Sachs. hey jenna
0: hey brian
1: we are recording this episode on Thursday, July 29th, That already, Jenna, high school athletes across Wisconsin are preparing for fall sports, and so are Wisconsin high school sports officials. It's a trying time right now for referees in the state, as many retired during the COVID-19 pandemic. Some have just not come back yet. Referee shortages are a real concern. But sports officials did score one major victory over the summer in court.
0: And Brian, this is a court case that goes all the way back to 2019. After a controversial call during a wrestling match, what was that all about?
1: It's not often that we would be talking about like high school wrestling matches on on an yeah. investigative reporting podcast, right? But this does. there was a high school conference meet uh back in uh 2019 february of 2019 it was the southern lakes conference tournament and the way high school wrestling works sort of their playoffs is done in, in sort of tournaments there's the conference tournament and if you are one of the top uh, finishers there you go to regionals and then sectionals and then eventually on to the state finals well this was the championship match of a particular weight class i think it might have been the 120 pound weight class at the southern lakes conference tournament and uh, a wrestler for waterford high school Um, named hayden halter he was a sophomore he's wrestling and he's leading his match it's the third period there are three periods in wrestling he's up seven to one it's a sure thing he's going to win this match but in the waning seconds of the match the referee makes a call awarding his opponent one point for what they call an escape and the uh the wrestler himself and his father who's in the stands both think well that's not an escape he didn't actually break contact and they object. The father yells out what the bleep was that. And uh, one of the sideline officials is sort of admonishing him while his son, the wrestler turns to the referee with sort of his hands, palms facing up in the air, shoulder shrugged sort of making a, are you kidding me kind of gesture. And according to the referee, the young high school wrestler says that call was BS, but he didn't say BS. Um, And so the official Uh, penalizes him. He uh, issues a a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. The match is over at that point and or within seconds, the match is over and the referee goes to raise his arm. If you've ever watched a wrestling match, um, Greco Roman wrestling, they take the, the winner's hand and they raise it in the air. And so the referee raises his hand in the air and the young man immediately pulls the arm back down, raises both of his hands in the air, fists in the air and flexes his muscles toward the crowd and makes sort of an ah uh, sound. That's the best I can mimic it, but you, if you were watching the video, you could see and hear that this happens. Now it happens quickly. It's not like he stood there for a long time making repeated faces, and he didn't lean over his opponent and gesture at him or flip him off or anything. And so the father, Sean Halter, viewed it as merely a kid celebrating because he's excited that he won the conference title. Um, the referee viewed it as taunting which is also an infraction that is considered unsportsmanlike conduct so he issued a second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty and that was a big deal because the second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty by rule means you're not only ejected from this match you're suspended for the next competitive event and the next competitive event was regionals so if he couldn't compete there his season was over and obviously that was a pretty big deal
0: so how did the family of this athlete react to that ejection and react to the implications on his wrestling for the rest of the season? Did they do anything about it? What followed?
1: So. After the match, the officials first get together at this is still at the event and, and they confer and they say, Okay, you know, did we get these calls right? Did you hear the same thing I heard? Did you see what I saw? The officials, all four of them, were in agreement and they said, Yes, they're good calls. So he's ejected, which means he has to be escorted out of the facility. Now, that might seem a little bit strong here for what happened, but that's the rule. You're ejected for unsportsmanlike conduct. You've got to be escorted out of the facility and it doesn't sound like the family made any sort of stink they they, they left um they weren't uh, you know there there wasn't yelling and screaming or anything like that they, they left and they sort of tried to assess okay what now and um i was able to interview sean halter for this story um his attorney uh which we'll get into in a moment his attorney agreed uh that uh, they wanted their side of things told and so we sat down and talked and he says that his initial thought wasn't "Let's run to the court house and sue." His first thought was, "Well, I'm going to appeal to the WIAA because this seems unfair." The WIA, Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, is sort of a governing body of high school sports. It's a it's a private organization, but it has relationships with public schools all over the state, and there's sort of an agreement that they are the ones who have the final say in how high school sports are operated. So. He wanted to appeal to WIA. the coach at Waterford tries to reach out to the organization and and Sean Halter says WIA wouldn't even take their calls, wouldn't return their calls, told them there is no appeal process. The decision made at the event is the final decision and this is done. And And for the
0: WIAA, that's an important stance to take, to stand by their official?
1: For them, yes, they said this is, in their view, this is a judgment call. Um, referees make judgment calls all the time. As they, they told me, and this wasn't in the story that I aired uh, last night on, on uh, Fox 6 News, but referees in all sorts of high school sports officiate more than 119,000 sporting events a year. And as the deputy director of WIA, uh, Wade Lebecki told me, or Lebecki, he said, if they were to take every questionable call or every controversial call and and run it through an appeals process they'd be doing that all day long so their view is what happens on the court what happens on the wrestling mat stays there and it's it's up to the officiating crew at the time now there is sort of an on-scene appeal process and that is to go to the officiating crew and say okay you know we want you all to review what just happened here and especially if there was a rule via or a rule infraction that was misapplied Um, you can ask the other officials to convene and determine was this done properly. But WIA's position is once that determination is made at the event, that's the final say. And so they don't have a process whereby you can go and appeal uh, an official's call.
0: So now this case is headed to court at this point in your story. It gets interesting from there. What happens when a judge listens to this case?
1: Well, there is one step in between that's interesting here because Mm -hmm before they go to court that the the, there's the controversy over the call but obviously the problem for the wrestler is the suspension right the fact that he's got to miss this next event so what sean halter tries to do is he sees that between the conference tournament and the regional tournament there's a junior varsity event that hayden wasn't entered in and wasn't planning to wrestle but he says you know what i'm going to do i'm going to go enter him in that jv tournament we'll get his name in there We'll, we'll do the whole thing and he let the organizer of the event know Hayden doesn't plan to wrestle. We're just trying to serve his suspension. The organizer of the event writes to WIA and says, look, I told him we're not accepting this. Um, You know, that's not how we do things. Um, That's a paraphrase, but there's actually a report where the organizer of that event uh, tells WIA he he didn't accept this. Um, The association says, no, that doesn't count as a suspension being served you've got to set out the next varsity event. You're a varsity wrestler. Hayden had never wrestled JV before. So they view this as sort of uh, a way of him trying to get around the suspension and keep his state title hopes alive. Now, Sean Halter later says, yeah, it's a loophole. He knows it's a loophole, but it was a known loophole. And it's one that had been used or exploited by others over the years. And he said, WIA had always allowed it in his view. So he felt This was a perfectly legitimate way of doing it and when the organization, when the association said no, your son still has to sit out regionals, that's when he decided he had no alternative but to go to court.
0: So he filed a lawsuit against WIAA. In 2019, a judge took this case or reviewed it. What was decided?
1: So the initial thing, this is all happening very quickly because again, this is February of 2019. Regionals are just a few days away. So six days after that conference title match um, and, and with the regionals imminent, they go before a Racine County judge, uh, Judge Michael Piantek. And the, that was an injunction hearing. You'll often hear that term when people are trying to get a quick decision that where something could be affected that's happening now and there's not time for a whole trial or a whole lawsuit. Like we need a decision now for you to make a decision before and then we can sort out the rest later. So they have this injunction hearing and Judge Piontek watches. There's a video of what happened. And this was used repeatedly in my story last night, but it was a spectator who happened to capture the video. And I realized there's no instant replay, no video review in the WIAA. This isn't like Major League Baseball or the NBA, where the referees can go back and look at an official video, review it and make a decision. This just happened to be a spectator who caught what happened. So the judge had the opportunity to see for himself what a spectator could see. And you couldn't hear on that video because it's taken from the stands. You can't hear Hayden Halter and whether he simply says, Hey, what was that call? Or that call was BS. And the officials all say, he said it was BS. The coach and the wrestler's father say, we didn't hear that. The judge says, well, I can't hear it either. He also says, what this one second you know raising of the kid's arms you call that taunting i don't see taunting so i don't hear profanity i don't see taunting and the judge says i'm going to order you wia to let this kid wrestle and that's exactly what happened um it allowed hayden halter to go to regionals which he wins to go to sectionals which he wins to go to state which he wins he becomes a two-time state champion um Interestingly, along the way, he's at the Kohl Center, which is where before the pandemic, the state wrestling tournament would always be held. This is in Madison. And by this time, this case is well known throughout the uh, wrestling community. Some might call it notorious in the wrestling community in Wisconsin. And so a number of people in the stands at that event were not on board with the idea of suing your way back into the state tournament. And they rained booze down on this, you know, teenage high school sophomore. Um, and so you, you hear as he, as he wins his semifinal match, booze rain down all over the Cole center. And, and there was an interview done with Hayden, uh, after that match where he said he thought that was childish. He thought, and, and he, uh, he felt that, you know, he had, they'd simply done what they could to fight for his right to wrestle and keep his, his dreams alive. And he was appreciative that his, his parents had done that. But in any case, the net effect is the judge says you can keep wrestling WIA. You can't stop him. He wrestles, he wins the title. For the Halters, at that point, they think, okay, it's over. We won.
0: But that wasn't the end of it, was it?
1: Well, it wasn't for WIAA. I mean, their view was there's still a legal precedent here. There's still something we want to fight. We don't feel the referee got a fair say because he wasn't really given a full uh, you know, opportunity to have the case tried um, or, or brought out to its final conclusion. And the referee I interviewed for the story, Michael Arndt, wasn't just a scrub referee who didn't know what he was doing. This is one of the most experienced wrestling referees in the state of Wisconsin. He had more than 20 years of experience. He's, he's refereed a number of state tournaments and he has since this all happened become the official rules interpreter for wrestling for the WIAA. So this is someone who in theory knows the stuff and the the association felt he needed to have his day in court so to speak to defend what happened here. And of course they didn't want the precedent to be set that athletes could, if they disagreed with a call or a suspension, run to court and get essentially what they wanted out of it. So they continued to pursue this and it went on for two more years. It was just this past uh, June or just this past May that it went to trial in June that there was finally a decision.
0: You know, it's interesting you pointed out how they don't want every athlete running to court because that could be very overwhelming for them with all the matches they're refereeing every year, but obviously it was important enough to WIAA to keep with this case. What happened when they went to court a second time?
1: So they go to trial and of course, witnesses are called. The the, the athlete testifies, his father testifies. Um, one of the controversies that I didn't get into in the story last night had to do with the um, the, the flex itself. When, when the young man raises his arms and flexes, um, This wasn't really discussed at great length, and I don't even know if it was in the lawsuit, but this wasn't the first time he had been penalized for doing that. A year prior, he was actually wrestling for Burlington High School and had flexed during the state tournament and actually cost his team a penalty, which cost the team the state title. Um, So there was some sort of history, some precedent here that this was a a wrestler who had uh, been dinged for unsportsmanlike behavior in in a... high stakes event before Um, but in this instance his father testified and he testified that he was he says he was flexing towards his father in celebration and Sean Halter told the court yeah he was flexing toward me he said the same thing in my interview with him he was flexing toward me but if you look at the video you hear Sean Halter the father yell from the crowd what the bleep was that and I'm bleeping it it's H-E double hockey sticks, to be real uh, uh, blunt about it. Um, I mean, I feel, I feel awfully uh, um, sort of mannying about that the way I'm putting it here, but, you know, I don't want to uh, did, go down did that, he yell
0: that about? Did he yell that about the, the call, the first one? He yelled um, that
1: about the first call, the, the escape that was the, the one point. So he yells that out loud, and it's very loud. Everyone hears it to the point where an official next to him immediately turns around points him and it says, you shut your mouth or I'm going to take you out of here. And as the official is pointing at him, if you take a freeze frame of the video, the official is still pointing right at Sean Halter. So while you can't see him in the crowd, it's clear where he's sitting because the, the official's pointing right at him. At that same time, that's when the flex happens. But you can see that Hayden Halter is flexing in a different direction, nowhere near his father. So they both testified he was flexing towards his father, and yet it's clear he was flexing towards someone else. The referee says it was toward the Burlington crowd, which happens to be the school he once wrestled for, the school where he had had this previous penalty, the school where he had uh, reportedly cost the team a state title. Um, now, his father says that he had good relationships with the people of Burlington, and he doesn't know why that would have been any kind of motivation. So there's disagreement about what the motivation for the flex was. But in the end, the court looked at it in the trial Mm -hmm. and the judge ultimately said, regardless, this is not our role. This is not something for the courts to decide. And I don't have, I wasn't there for the hearing and I don't have a transcript of it. I'm telling you what's been relayed to me. What I know for certain is that ultimately the judge sided with WIAA and the association, felt that was such a big deal that they wanted to talk about this. They not only did an interview with me and made their deputy director available, they got me in touch with the referee who had made the original call, who did a sit down interview. And they put me in touch with someone I've interviewed before and we've talked about in this podcast, Barry Mano, who was the president of the National Association of Sports Officials, which just coincidentally happens to be based in Racine, Wisconsin. So this court case, which really challenged the sort of authority of sports officials to make a final call, happened in the same community where this national association that represents and defends sports officials is based. So they, I think it would be safe to say, took this a little personally.
0: I know you spoke with a sports law expert for your story, which is interesting. There's, there's law experts for everything, including sports. What did he have to say about this decision?
1: Well, there's no question Alan Goldberger is his name, no question he's made sort of a niche out of this. Um, Alan Goldberger is himself a referee, he's refereed basketball, I think maybe, I'm not sure what other sports, uh, maybe football, Um, but he is himself a long time uh, referee. He's also an attorney and he's very knowledgeable about sports law and particularly law as it applies to sports officials. And he has worked routinely with, he's spoken I believe at, at national events for the National Association of Sports Officials, NASO. So he's got a relationship with them. and And he has tracked cases like this all around the country where an athlete gets a, a controversial call against them or they get a suspension or an ejection that may cost them the next big game and then they go to court and what he's found is over the years that sometimes what happened here will happen where in an early round injunction hearing or at the trial court level a judge will agree with the athlete but ultimately if it gets to an appeals court the supreme court or in this case sort of unusually still at the circuit court level as the trial played out ultimately those decisions will be overturned in favor of the association the official the high school whatever it may be um and, and that's what happened here so because it turned out this way, because it came out in favor of WIAA, Goldberger says that doesn't actually set any legal precedent, it doesn't change the law. But what it did is it avoided setting a legal precedent that would have been very damaging for sports officials. Because had the trial court ruled that the official was wrong here and the, the, the you know court was right to let the wrestler go on, that would have been a very troubling precedent for sports officials, not just in Wisconsin, but there were state associations all around the country watching this very closely, who uh, you know, sort of gave some verbal high fives to, uh, to the WIAA when, when they prevailed here. Um, they were watching because they were concerned about what sort of precedent this could set.
0: You know, it's interesting, you mentioned in your story that being a referee is kind of a thankless job. And I imagine it would be a lot of stress if they had to worry about being taken to court after controversial calls. Does this decision mean athletes can no longer take referees to court or it just says nothing about the matter?
1: It obviously doesn't prohibit anyone from doing that, but it does at least give some comfort, I think, to WIAA, to NASO that the courts, they could present this case. It's not precedential, um, but it could be persuasive. If If someone else tries to sue over a similar thing, they could say, look, this judge in Racine County heard all the evidence and said this. Um, so certainly it's something that they think weighs in on their side, but there's no, nothing stopping someone from from suing. And for that matter, it's probably not the last time it'll happen. If you look at it, the, the Halter situation, there's no question losing the chance to go get a state title could have been very damaging to his future prospects. You know, maybe he wants to wrestle in college, maybe he wants to wrestle in the Olympics, who knows, maybe scholarships are on the line. Um, And that could be true of a football player who wants to play in the NFL or a basketball player who has aspirations for the NCAA or or, or, or NBA. So uh, if you're kept out of the playoffs or a big high stakes game or something like that, there's a lot on the line potentially. And so sometimes people, if they think their only remedy is I've got to see if a judge can overturn this, they're going to pursue that. But again, right now you look at where WIA stands on this and, and where NASO stands and they see this as at least a favorable judgment that gives them some protection down the road.
0: So I believe Hayden was stripped of that title. Where is he today? Yeah.
1: So WIA, the, there was nothing they could do to go back and sort of have this tournament re-wrestled, right? They couldn't go back and have all the state wrestlers come back and, and re-wrestle the bracket. They can't make them sophomores in high school again or whatever it might be. So the bracket is what it was, but what they did do is they stripped him of the official honor of being the state champion in that weight class for that year. And if there were any awards issued, trophies issued, I suppose they have a right to request those be returned. I don't know if they did or they did not. Um, In interviewing Sean Halter, his response was, this doesn't change anything. He won. We know he's the state champion, and you can't re-wrestle the bracket. That's one thing both sides agree on. You can't re-wrestle the bracket. And Halter's view of that is, you can't take it away from him. The official and the WIA's view is it's unfortunate for those who maybe should have had the spot that he had because of the disqualification, who didn't get an opportunity to wrestle for the state title. Um, However you wanna view that, obviously you just can't go back and change the past. So I think this is one that has more of a weight in terms of what it could mean for the future than what it means for what's already happened in the past.
0: Is Hayden a senior now, is that the right math?
1: He just actually graduated this year from Waterford High School and um, at last report, last I talked to uh, his father uh, and his attorney, he was still considering where to wrestle in college. He is still considered a, you know, a talented, potentially elite wrestler who is hoping to wrestle at the University of Iowa, which is one of the elite wrestling universities in the country. Um, but they said as of a couple of weeks ago, he still hadn't made a decision where he was going to go. And, and that's what we know at this point. I mean, I think one thing's for sure his father says this was no fun for Hayden. This was, uh, you know, this put him through a lot, um, but he felt it was the right thing to do. And when I asked him at the end of the interview, would you go back and do this again? He said, absolutely. He felt that this was uh, an important issue to fight. He wishes WIA had dropped it after uh, the judge let him wrestle. Um, But, uh, and they still haven't decided if they're going to appeal. They have until the beginning of September to decide if they want to appeal. Um, We don't yet know what that decision is going to be. Um, But, uh, you know, so still a couple of things up in the air, but um, obviously this was a big decision for uh, for the WIA. And I think that's as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more personal, have a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. And once again, to ask us that question, we welcome executive producer, producer hey <laughs> producer, uh, Sarah Smith back to the podcast I'm leaving that in we're not redoing that Hey, Sarah, no, I like
2: it, it. <laughs> what an oh. introduction hi guys um, so I have like suddenly a plethora of really great off the record questions um, anyway so today is like what a lead in right like are you so excited yeah okay so I'm
1: excited for I, the next several podcasts
2: same same okay so today's is a fill in the blank so here it goes no matter how many blank I own, I will always have the urge to buy more.
1: This feels like uh, match game, like from the 70s.
2: like da 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 okay. So my fill in the blank, so no matter how many sauces, I own. I will always have the urge to buy more. I want, like, I walked down the sauce aisle the other day at the grocery store, and I saw this a bang-bang shrimp sauce, and I was like, oh, I'm going to put that on. I open up my pantry. I'm not kidding when I say I have 18 to 25 bottles of sauces. Oh, they're all different. It's not all, like, ketchup. It's, it's a hoisin sauce. It's a, you know, I mean, do they're just... Do
1: you use them, or do you just collect them?
2: Well, I mean... <laughs> debatable if I remember they're in there because half the time I'll make something and then I'm like oh dang I had that sauce I could have used so normally it's you know I have to kind of put it on the counter so I don't forget about it but I I love dipping I love sauces I just dry things are weird so I sauce it up which sure is great for the caloric intake but that's that's my answer I love sauce
1: that's an interesting question and I've got I got it I might have to think more Jenna do you have do you have I, one that comes right to mind?
0: I have an answer, but it makes me hate myself. <laughs> so, because it's, it's, it makes me feel like a tired mom. But I, I will buy lycra, spandex, leggings, any type of athletic pant that I can wear all day long. I can go through like 14 pairs in a week because I have my leggings that I wear during the day, and then I have the ones I work out in and then i have all different lengths and different colors and i i could i could buy them every time i see them and think oh yeah i'll i'll wear them because, because I, will. I will so no, it's, it's it's it it, it doesn't, doesn't make me like, like myself, myself very, very much she's just like, like oh no, look how lazy, lazy i am you
2: know. no it should make you like yourself because they're comfortable and you're doing yourself a favor uh, that was right. my pandemic purchase i must have i must have bought 10 pair if not more of, of leggings throughout the course of working from home. And then now that I'm back in the office and I have to wear regular pants, it's not great for me. So, I mean, I, I feel like I need to find Thanks. some leggings. Yeah, I need to find some leggings that are like more dressy <laughs> because it stretches, stretches the word, man.
0: <laughs> you know that it's bad when Facebook is targeting you with like work leggings, They're yes. leggings that look like dress yes. pants. <laughs> They don't have that
1: for men. See, now that's the thing. There there aren't like men's work leggings that I can, you know, like work sweatpants. If I could find work sweatpants, like some great Adidas or Nike work sweatpants, mm, yes, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Because I, during, you're right, during the pandemic, I mean, I have for years, when I worked in radio, in radio, like well over, you know, what was it, 30 years ago, I wore a suit and tie because I worked for a, a general manager who felt like if you dressed like a professional, you would act and sound like a professional. And, and he, his, his uh, thought was that our customer is not the listener, our customer is the businessman who's gonna advertise. And he wanted us to appeal to the business people who were our customers. So I wore suits back then. So I've worn suits and, and, and you know it, at very least business casual to work all of my career and now during the pandemic i come to work in my basement as i'm sitting right now and i'm in shorts and i'm in sweats and i buy those i i I was just on a trip with my daughter in texas visiting family and uh my uh uh my cousin's daughter i don't know what does that make her what's what's my cousin's daughter i think that's like a second second cousin cousin. second cousin she works works at the nike store so i went and i bought a whole bunch of really cool nike sweatpants and they're so comfortable and they're you know they're kind of skinny pants and they're cool and so i've been wearing those non-stop and and now i'm realizing we're going to be entering the workplace again soon and i'm going to have to like figure out if i still fit into the business suits and things i mean i may be visiting a tailor soon for some you know letting on a little bit here and there um <laughs> i'd like i'd like to believe it's because the abs have grown so strong Obviously. but i don't think that's what it is um but but that didn't answer your question 'Cause your question can you just repeat it though, is fill in the blank. Sure, what exactly sure. is the blank?
2: No matter how many blank I own, I will always have the urge to buy more.
1: Gosh, I, I feel like I don't know that there's anything I constantly I mean, I just keep buying cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> like I can have I can have, you know, fifty K cups sitting at home, but I'll still go to Starbucks and buy a cup of coffee because it just seems indulgent and wonderful. Um, but I don't think it's quite the same thing that you mean. So I, I might say spices because we have like a triple spice rack and I see something we'll go like, you know, to just to Meyer, or maybe we are walking through Cedarburg and pop into Penzies or something. And then I'm like, Oh, well that one looks really good. We'll add that. And then I look at our spice rack and it's out of control. Um, but I keep buying more. So maybe it's that.
0: See, I have the opposite problem. I go into my cabinet and all my spices expired two years ago. <laughs>
2: and then That's I think 1st well, you're like, oh, I, I had this since twenty thirteen.
1: <laughs> That's the problem. That's just it though. We don't get rid of the old ones. We just keep adding new ones. So I, I there are some in there that are probably long expired and there's fresh ones and they're so mixed in, I don't know which are which one day I'll probably do like a spice rack organizing but that hasn't happened yet. It's pretty low on the priority list, so. Yeah,
2: that was one thing I did to go through all my like oils and vinegars. It was super eye-opening how many I had, probably some from college, and I am far removed from college, but it you, felt you good. You know what we
1: should do? What we haven't done is at some point we should do a like revisiting the old open record or off the record question and i say it for this reason because we haven't prepared i sit here in hem and haw and try to come up with something and i don't know if you guys have done this as soon as we're off the podcast within an hour or two i'm like why didn't i say that like the dj one the the the, you know the bucks dj thing i had all kinds of ideas for songs that i would play and then you know i was like i should have said that and 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 then it went away
2: let me just one more thing on the pants thing so when i was outfield producing during the um Game six of the Bucks in the finals. Um, Sam Kramer, Fox six reporter. Sam Kramer was out there um, with his photographer, and we were chatting. And I happened to like look down at his shoes for whatever, and he had on these pants. They were chinos, but they were gathered at the ankle, so they looked almost like joggers, but they weren't as like compressed as like a dress. You're telling pant me was. Sam
1: Kramer had some male jeggings or something? He,
2: uh, they looked great. I mean, in in the most like you know friendship way but I'm like I'm like they look comfortable they look stylish so I mean even Ted Perry was like what are those pants because they were a little gathered so they were comfy looking but Mm -hmm. they looked dressy enough that you know he wasn't in like dress slacks so I I complimented him probably way more than was necessary
0: but I loved (laughs) them. Well, speaking careful, as someone though. who's wearing a pair of joggers right now, let's add that to the list of things that I've been buying. You too. have joggers on? Okay. I, 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 I do. So, I just, but
1: the thing <laughs> is like, I, so you talk about Sam's pants and I think to myself, like, I could get that same pair of pants and I can't pull that off.
2: That's, that so is the problem. Sam he's like is, 18. He's like,
1: well, but no, like he's really. young and cool. He and is. I he would is. look like an old guy trying to look young and cool who doesn't. And it would be like, mm, yeah, no, grandpa. Would you would you pair him
2: with your white New Balance tennis shoes? <laughs>
1: I don't have white New Now, okay, that was almost my other answer, by the way, was running shoes. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because, now, oh, I, I, yeah. I don't buy them nonstop. But what I do is I never throw away the old ones. They become like lawn mowing shoes. Yes. And, and and I'll tell you, what the reason why I have so many is because I used to be a runner. I'm not really a runner now. I jog, you know, occasionally. But. But I used to like run marathons and they always would say after a certain number of miles, you know, they go flat and you really need new ones. It's, you know, better for your mechanics. So I started convincing myself, oh, the reason why that run hurts so bad is because I need new shoes. And then I would get new shoes. And for like one run, I'd be like, ooh, they're real springy. And by the second run, I'm like, no, they're flat again. No, it's not the shoes, Brian. Yeah. It's, it's it's not the shoes anymore. It's but I keep finding new ones <laughs> hoping that that will be the solution. Anyway, I think that probably wraps up this week's (laughs) Off the Record segment. I can't wait to hear what you have in store next time. If you have a uh, question you'd like uh, to submit for our Off the Record segment, a topic you'd like to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, send us an email at fox6investigators at fox.com. Sarah, Jenna, thanks a lot for being on the podcast once again.
0: You bet. Anytime. I'm from Minnesota, so I should say you betcha.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda. Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll see you again, or be back again, next week.